Welcome to Where the Big Boys Play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro, Worldwide Edition. Our post-Nitro bonus show where we dive into the dirt sheets and check out the other channel as we round up the week in wrestling that was November 25th to December 1st, 1996. I am your host, Tim Root, and with me, <laughs> as always, is my broadcast colleague, Dave Amantorp. How are you doing this week, Dave? I'm doing good. It was uh, a little bit of a... I have a drive to get here because I drove over like around rush hour. Oh, yeah. That's but it's true. been last like week or so. It's been relatively it's like beautiful or raining. It's like yes. one or the other. Right now it's beautiful. So I have nothing to complain about. Yeah, it is uh, going to be a hot and humid weekend, but uh, it's been a pretty mild summer so far. So we'll take it. Get out to the beach. Yeah. Uh, enjoy it. Certainly. Why am I talking like this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a thing that could happen. <laughs> This episode is a companion to episode 63, in which we reviewed the November 25th, 1996 episode of Monday Nitro. Before we move on to what happened everywhere else that wasn't Nitro this particular week in wrestling, I do want to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at 20 Years of Nitro. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 20 Years of Nitro. And you can email the show at 20 Years of Nitro at gmail.com. Now, the first thing we like to do here on Worldwide is change the channel over to the USA Network. <gasps> it's time for our Raw Recap. On the 186th episode of Monday Night Raw, Bret Hart defeated Owen Hart by disqualification when Bret was attacked by Steve Austin uh, holding a chair. Oh, I kind of remember that. Yeah, they're having a pretty decent match. It's Bret's first match on Raw in quite a while, obviously, because mm -hmm. he was taking some time off. He re-signed his contract, had that uh, now, was this Survivor a, Series match. Was this a taping? Was this taped from the previous week? Yes. Okay. Yep. So they're having a match. Austin comes out with a chair. He attacks Bret. Owen is very happy about this. <laughs> uh, Davey Boy Smith comes out, Owen's uh, tag team partner. They are the tag team champions. Yep. Davey Boy comes out. He is not happy about this. He gets in Austin's face. Uh, Austin then attacks him, and then Owen is not so happy with Austin. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, you know, some seeds being planted for some future programs. There. Yeah, I I like, it was just like, uh, I like the way that they added Davey Boy Smith and Owen Hart into Bret Hart's return yeah. without them necessarily like having a few with them. It's kind of like Davey Boy's happy that he's back. Owen's not happy that he's back. Right. And the champions are bickering while they're still champions. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a nice. It was just kind of like a nice little thing that they did uh, right away when Bret Hart returned. The Executioner with Paul Bearer and Mankind defeated Freddie Joe Floyd. <laughs> you'd, you'd hope so. Rocky Maivia defeated Salvatore Sincere. Mark Mero defeated Billy Gunn by disqualification. Um, I assume Triple H interfered. I started this episode. I didn't get through it. Uh, so I also know that Shawn Michaels 
cut a promo like in the home of Jose Lothario, who is supposedly recovering from his heart attack. Oh yeah. We are building the um Shawn Michaels uh Royal Rumble like hometown story, you know. So right. right now the the championship stuff is all Brett who's embroiled with Sid, but also Austin's there. Uh but sort of in the background the build to the shining moment for Shawn Michaels is what we're really well, kind of looking at. But the thing is like um because like Sid was sort of like the guy they brought in because it's like, listen, these fans, the fans are just not, they're not into Shawn Michaels for this much time right. as champion. And now you're, t- you're talking about the fan base who are not into Shawn Michaels and doing like the sympathy thing with his elderly trainee that has like, it, it's the like sort of thing that like as a fan, I'd be like, don't patronize us. Like yeah. this is just a, a plea for us to cheer for him. And I, I, I don't. I didn't watch this episode, or uh, like the next few weeks or anything like that. I would imagine this is the sort of thing that people just kind of roll their eyes at. Yeah, they I mean they've kind of. It's a little overcomplicated what they're trying to do because Michaels had the belt, but they wanted him to win the belt in San Antonio because mm-hmm. it's bigger deal if he wins it in front of his hometown crowd than defends it. Right. But they want him to lose to Brett at Mania. They also need to like make Austin into a bigger deal. So there's just so many moving pieces. It's like okay, we've got to. Get the belt on Sid so that he can lose the belt to Sean, and then Sean has a defend against Brett, mm-hmm. and then of course uh, we'll get there. But then Sean kind of blows up all those plans anyway. Yep. Uh, in the ratings, over in our ratings roundup, Raw came in with a two point one, and Nitro had a three point one with a two point seven head to head hour and a three point five unopposed hour. Uh, that is down for both shows over kind of their average. Raw is especially disappointing since that's Brett's first televised match back and had that live HBK promo, so you'd think they'd do better than a 2.1. Yeah, and I I want to say that at this point, since like just the online wrestling community is not really much of a thing, yeah. that it doesn't hurt them right now to be taped. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, not enough that would make a dent in ratings, certainly. Right, and, th- and that... Bischoff had his like little thing where he announced the winners, but now th- now that they're winning, they don't really talk about. It's been them. months since it's the lawsuit and the fact that they're beating their ass. Right. Oh yeah, and the loss. I keep I always forget that like the lawsuits made them very gun shy as far as like yeah. any sort of like mentions basically. And it's it's not even just the lawsuit; it's the way the lawsuit could endanger the merger is like the bigger deal sure it's just a very precarious time in turner as an organization right because turner could be like just so you know we could just cancel you right you know so <laughs> it, there's like no sweat out like they would not break a sweat right like just getting rid of wcw so i'm sure they're like oh wait if they say we shouldn't do this we should not arise we will disappear from the face <laughs> of the earth <laughs> yes uh so Going back to the ratings, Nitro started out at a 2.5 to 2.1 lead, mm-hmm. uh, which means that Lex Luger and Arn Anderson were handily beating Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, which is somewhat surprising to me. Um, but, you know, th- those were the times. Uh, Nitro grew its lead to a 3.0 to a 1.9 during Bischoff's promo, so that was the biggest uh, lead of the night was okay. the NWO segment. Mm-hmm. It narrowed throughout the show, but Nitro never led by less than a full, uh, by less than a half a point. So they had a pretty okay. substantial lead, even you know when things narrowed. Uh, the high ratings mark for Nitro overall was a 4.0 during the replay of the Hogan Piper angle from World War Three. Uh, so you'll remember that uh, in our Nitro episode, I was talking about 
how I was sort of annoyed as a viewer of World War Three that they put a full 15 minute segment from the pay-per-view on Nitro. Uh, but oh, right. Proof's in the pudding. That was the high rating mark of the show. Right. I was <laughs> we have it's hard to speak because we haven't done that part yet. Yes. I was pretending that we had already talked about it, but actually we're recording this before the Nitro episode. You have you have just brought the audience backstage and shown them that I didn't really saw the woman in half, Dave. <laughs> no, because you're just reminding me, and I'm just because I just finished watching Nitro today. Oh, sure, today, yeah, yeah. And I was just infuriated. <laughs> yeah. By that part, because and I because I was like clicking as it's like 18 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's very long. But we get, yeah, we'll get to that. But there, I mean, like I said, proofs in the pudding. It was the high rating mark of the show. When millions of people watch your television show and 200,000 order your pay-per-view, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Sure, yeah. It it just it kind of makes it baffling sometimes as far as like why they decide the things they do because <laughs> yeah, sure. because they will do like we're trying to get in the exclusive footage from last night's pay-per-view. We or we can only show you screen caps or or we can only show you parts of what happened. Yeah. And then this time they're like we're going to show you like a whole 20-minute segment. From the pay-per-view. <laughs> right. And arguably the only worthwhile thing that happens in the pay-per-view. <laughs> you know? Yeah. While they're trying to sell you on, like, these replays. Right. That they yes. go, like, it's through the whole week. But it's like, yeah. I, I saw, like, the the money shot of the whole deal. Like, why on earth would I see that? <laughs> well, that brings us to a little segment that we call Observe This. Observe This, brother! This is what we call a rag sheet. The long talked about NWO hour of Nitro where the NWO will take over and have a weekly hour Uh of Nitro to themselves. Yeah. Uh, That could be starting as early as next week, according to Meltzer, although they did not mention it explicitly on Nitro at all. They talked about it as a future possibility. Tony kept saying, like, when are they going to do this? They've talked about it, but Mm -hmm. we, we haven't quite seen it yet. Uh, the last word that Meltzer had was that Bischoff and Ted DiBiase were going to be announcing the first hour and that Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and Mike Tanay would be announcing the second hour. Larry Zbysko moving to more of a uh, more involved with that angle that it looked like they were setting up between him and Scott Hall. So his time as a broadcaster on at least on the A show here, uh, maybe somewhat coming to a close. We'll see. Okay. With Flair out uh, injured and with somewhat weak cards in general, WCW has canceled a couple house shows coming up in December that were in Winston-Salem and Asheville, North Carolina. Now, that is right in WCW country, so I would take canceled house shows as, like, a really bad sign. But overall, business is really good. Yeah. It's just, like, a weird fluke thing. I just It seemed odd to read that they were canceling house shows in Winston-Salem and Asheville. That's, that's like, bread-and-butter territory. Yeah, but, I mean, they they've just kind of like accepted the fact that they're like a television wrestling show that's as true. well. That's so, true. I mean, the fact that they, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't think of it as big of a deal. I think it's more of just the way that the Eric Bischoff has shaped WCW yeah. since he was taken over, that's true. which it's like th- that those, that's not a concern where it's mainly about like having the, the, like the, the 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 one hour two hour slot. Um, I mean, he cut so many of the house shows. Honestly, it's always surprising to read that there are house shows, or so. <laughs> uh, or the one where they were hyping up that one in Baltimore. Yes, yeah, which, no kidding. Which we get, fo- we talk about follow from that one in Baltimore. Yes, we're still talking about it uh, <laughs> on the Nitro that we just covered. It's so it's so weird. 
Shotgun Saturday Night is still in development over at the WWF with a planned start date of January 4th. Paul Heyman has actively been involved in the production of that, uh, including helping to scout New York City nightclubs that could be used for shooting. (laughs) It's funny that they're explicitly ripping off ECW, Mm -hmm. and they just are like, well, who would better know how to rip off ECW than the guy who does ECW? Right. And Paul Heyman's never been one to turn down some money, so he's like, sure, why not? That that was the part I was thinking about. It's like, well, it's going against his company, but his company also doesn't make him much money. He also probably has complete faith that there's no way that Vince McMahon will be able to do it. Oh, sure. Like, he's like, they can try to emulate me, but they just won't be able to. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. what What risk is there, really? They're going right. to get Freddie Joe Floyd in a nightclub and have him wrestle? Who gives a shit? <laughs> well, I like the I like the idea that, that Paul Heyman's like, oh, no, I'll go out scouting nightclubs for you. <laughs> yeah. What a tough job that probably was. <laughs> it's like places he probably frequents anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did promote a show at... Um, I was going to say Area 51, but that's where the, the aliens are. Studio 54. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he'd promote his show at Area 51. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> or even if you're just in Roswell and, and just be like, <laughs> if you have wrestlers that were from another planet, yeah. <laughs> I'd be into that. The early buy rates for Survivor Series are not looking good, which is bad news since that was Brett's return match and has been heavily promoted. You know, something I want to mention on Brett, uh, something that I noticed during Raw, he, he talks about this in his book. He came back and he had that stellar Survivor Series match against Austin. Yep. And when he watched it later, he was kind of disappointed or weirded out or maybe angered a little bit at the commentary from um, Ross, JR, and Vince McMahon that focused a lot on his age and they kept saying like he won the match and they kept being like "Mm, the hitman not looking as crisp as he once did he seems to be you know a little older yeah and on raw they keep doing that they're it's bizarre to me that they signed him to this long contract what it was at a 20-year contract that Vince signed him to Mm -hmm. and from the first day he's back they're on screen cutting him down in this weird subversive subtle way so i know that there are issues on brett's side as a draw in the fact that he came back and the show didn't draw a bunch of money. He had his first Raw match and it didn't draw a big rating. Mm-hmm. So there are issues on whether Brett, um, not that he's not trying, but just whether he can draw enough to make that contract worth it. Sure. But they are not doing him any favors no. by focusing on his age or like this idea that he's missed a step, which in 1996 is not true. He has not missed a step. Right. And I, I want to say he would be, he was like 39. Yeah. At that point. Which would make him like one of the younger wrestlers in today's roster, right? Yes, absolutely. So they'd be they'd be happy with someone like Bret Hart at thirty nine nowadays. Um, but uh, I mean, it it seemed like pretty much um, after like the contract negotiations, like he was never he was never really welcomed back right. with open arms. It was more they they just wanted to make sure that he wasn't making WCW money for them instead. Um, it, that's kind of how I always felt like that, that whole negotiation was going. Like Vince was like, I just want to make sure WCW doesn't get him. Yeah. I'm not really interested in him myself. Yeah. 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 It's funny cause, um, WCW to a degree treats him the same way years down the road. Right. It's just about getting him. Once you have him, it's like, I don't know, put him on thunder, I guess. <laughs> uh, who, who knows? Right. But it, it which is, it's just. It's very frustrating because it's like 
especially in WCW, yeah. it would be easy to book him because there's so many guys right. at his age that he could wrestle against. Yes. Like, almost for the first time. Right. You know, it, it, it was like such a... It should have been easy. The latest issue of TV Guide sees Average Joe columnist Joe Keenan, or Queenan? I think it's Queenan, go after pro wrestling in the UFC. He calls out the sponsors of wrestling and talks about the Monday Night Wars. Uh, Nitro apparently gets off pretty light as uh, he watched like one week of the shows to like oh. pick the things he was going to complain about. Sure. And he ended up watching the uh, week that had Medusa versus Reina Jabuki, uh, okay. which was Akira Hokuto in the mask because she's doing double duty in the women's tournament. <laughs> sure. Yep. And for some reason, he called Reina Jabuki uh, hefty, which is ridiculous. She's like not a big woman. It's like maybe he confused her with zero. Yeah. I, who knows? But uh, I just Dave calls that out as being like a particularly odd comment. Right. But for Nitro, he mostly just like makes jokes about how Hogan and Piper are old. He doesn't uh, really have like a lot of ammunition. Mm -hmm. uh, but the week that he happened to watch Raw was the gun angle. <laughs> ah, all right. <laughs> so he has a lot to say about the moral depravity of the WWF and its fan base, apparently. So that was in TV Guide, which is a pretty big deal at the time. Right, because, like, you know, if you watch one week of the show and you see one angle, that's like, well, that's how the whole product must be. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, EMLL announced that they're going to tour Japan in February, which is only the second time a foreign promotion has toured Japan on their own without just, like, attaching themselves to a existing J Japanese promotion for a tour. That's CMMO? C yeah, back then they were EMLL, but same thing. They changed their oh, name. Oh, th they changed. Yeah. I, I, I just was wondering that because I just read about CMLL. It just booked their the last appearance by Jushin Liger for the oh, promotion. Yes, yes, it's, I heard it's that. happening, I think, in August or something like that. And that's still, you know, it's still weird to think about that Jushin Liger is going to retire because he's just one of those guys that's always been around. Right. And I thought he would just... Hang around until it was like, you can't move anymore, sir. You I was thinking to myself recently, like, how insane is it that he came in and had one WWF match? He had that match against yes. um, Prince Pretty, what's his face? Tyler Breeze. Yep. Like, how nuts is that, that that happened? That's so crazy. <laughs> right. It, it, that feels like that something that even today they wouldn't do. Right. Yes. Because it would be like, oh, you can. You can do that, but you have to be signed to NXT. Right. Or get the fuck out, basically. It's As I mentioned, it's the second time that a foreign promotion has done that, the first being a largely unsuccessful tour by the WWF of Japan in 1994. Oh, okay. On Nitro, you may remember that we were told that tickets are going to go on sale for Starcade this week. I think it was supposed to be Friday this week. Uh, but evidently that didn't happen because of a computer glitch, and they will now go on sale on December 6th. Oh, must have been the NWO again. <laughs> it really just harkened back, uh, reading that in The Observer just brought me back to the age where somebody could just be like, it was a computer glitch, and that's all the information you needed. Right. You were like, oh, yeah, those computers, they'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> New Japan is sending a few guys to WCW. Uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan and Masahiro Chono are said to have some dates in January, so they're just going to be appearing on a, a few shows in January. Well, Yuji Nagata is expected to spend uh, pretty much all of 1997 with WCW, much in the way that Kurosawa uh, spent 95 with WCW before disappearing. Yeah, he. I mean, Kurosawa like comes to mind, but when I think of um, like more of like like after like Rey Mysterio and Ultimo Dragon, yeah. like Yuji Nagana is the, the guy that I remember where I was like, oh yeah, and then he went back and was successful in New Japan. 
Yeah, I'm really excited because uh, everything I know about Yuji Nagata is like from two years ago. Mm-hmm. He was he had his like last G1, and he was the best guy in that G1 at a million years old. Yeah, the guy could still he's like in his early fifties, but he can still go. Yeah, he was amazing. His yeah. last G1, like every match, was something that I really enjoyed watching. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so this is uh, it was kind of a slow news week, so th- I don't know that there's a top story, but this was the thing and observe this that really cracked me up the most this week. Mm-hmm. The Charleston Post Courier had an interview with Eric Bischoff, where Eric Bischoff did not go lightly on one Vincent Kennedy McMahon. <gasps> uh, so the paper like read a quote by McMahon that McMahon said he didn't remember meeting Eric when Eric came there in 1990 to do an audition for a broadcast job, I, which I think is believable. If you're, if it's this one guy auditioned for you like yeah. five years ago, yep. I'd be like, I I believe you're correct about that. I'm so that's that would be my reaction. <laughs> right. uh, Eric's reaction was quote, in June of 1990, I was down there for an interview and an audition, and an audition, and I talked to Vince for probably half an hour. If he doesn't remember it, perhaps he was engaged in some of his admitted chemical activity during that time. <laughs> But I was there. He was there. In the same article, Bischoff said, quote, The nonsense and perception of reality is that Vince McMahon, a guy who has admitted using steroids to try to beef up what was otherwise a scrawny, frail little individual, I think when he wakes up in the morning, he looks in the mirror, and he still sees that 80-pound bird-faced punk that no one wanted to play with, and he has to deal with that every day. And the way he's trying to deal with it is to create this perception. And I just hope that people are smart enough to see through this nonsense and deal with reality. Wow. Man, pull no punches. I love that we are... uh, So this will be, because of the way we release our episodes, this will be like a week after, if not maybe a week and a half. We're recording this on the day that it was announced that he is running SmackDown. (laughs) (laughs) He, here's a quote of him calling McMahon an 80 pound bird face punk that no one wanted to play with <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what um, a business what a business wrestling is I mean especially since like in comparison to almost any wrestler like Eric Bischoff probably looks like that scrawny kid yeah he is one to talk I'm mean, not like he's scrawny but like right. compared to Vince and I guess to his point Vince has done steroids right but like still why would you talk shit comparing bodies that's just not gonna go in your favor (laughs) right uh the only other real news and observe this is akeem albrecht we talked about uh, i think we've checked in on him a couple times he's a bodybuilder that is into uh wwe's kind of a project uh he debuted at some house shows over the weekend he did two nights as argo and two nights as baracus although it's likely that it was baracus and Mm -hmm. it was just misreported to dave Meltzer, or he didn't hear or he assumed, who knows, but mm-hmm. but yes, Brackus is on the way. Yep, yep. That I, there was just a little, like a little bell in the back of my mind. I'm like, I remember Brackus. In our Saturday night results, Chris Jericho uh, defeated Laparca. Lord Steven Regal defeated Bobby Eaton. Two Japanese names I don't recognize at all wrestled. Hmm. Kaoru versus Sonoko Kato. Maybe they were part of the women's tournaments. I don't know. Look up this name and just see if it's a lady wrestler. K-A-O-R-U. Karu Wrestler. Born 1969. Billed as the original hardcore queen. There we go. So they must have been brought in for the women's tournament. There we go. Okay. 
Uh, Conan faced Eddie, and it, of this stupid side I'm saying just says versus, so I'm kind of inferring who won these matches. Okay. It says Conan versus Eddie. I'm imagining Conan got his win back from Nitro. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, defeated Sonoku Kato in the quarterfinals of the tournament to crown the inaugural champion. There we go. Harlem Heat defeated uh, Mean Mike Penis and Bunkhouse Buck. Uh, Dirty Dick Slater may have suffered that injury then that uh, made him retire because I don't know why else he would not be in that match. The Outsiders defeated Tommy Greco and The Backstabber. No. (laughs) Were they defeated when one guy perhaps betrayed the other? (laughs) Why did I ever team team with The Backstabber? You know what? Fool me even once. Shame on me. (laughs) There's there's no shame on you. I will take all the shame. It says it on my tights. (laughs) Uh, Chris Benoit defeated Juventud Guerrera. That sounds like a... I'd love to watch that. I bet we'll get that on Nitro at some point. Be, well, that'd be well cool. I don't know, because Hoovy's such a cruiserweight. He might be pegged in there. I'd love to watch those two go, though. Uh, DDP faced Scott Norton. I assume DDP would win just based on where both guys are slotted right. at this point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, it's not in the summary here, but I know from watching Nitro, they also showed footage of that Chris Benoit versus Kevin Sullivan match from the... Uh, house show in Baltimore that they endlessly talked about because oh, yeah, they yeah. promised they were going to show that on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So that was funny because only a week ago you were wondering if that match ever happened or if they made it up. But apparently it was a real thing with cameras and everything. Yeah, just most of the, like any online database for professional wrestling just yeah. doesn't have that house show listed. Yeah. Which is really weird because of all the, all the house shows, like that's one that's been heavily promoted and yeah, talked right. about, but I just couldn't seem to find it. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the last thing that we like to do up on this show, and that is talk about something that excites us in the current week of uh, wrestling or current current era of wrestling, let's say. Right. Uh, I'm going to go with the fact by the time you hear this, it will have already happened. But uh, tomorrow night I'm going to uh, Wrestlepalooza, which I probably talked about on here before. It's a twice a year indie that happens at First Ave, the mm-hmm. the famous rock club in Minneapolis made famous by Prince's film Purple Rain. Yep. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's a twice a year wrestling show there. And tomorrow, the one I'm going to has the uh, Lucha Brothers, Pentagon and Phoenix, uh, as well as Orange Cassidy, who is one of my favorite live acts to see exactly in that type of venue. Yeah. Um, the the indie that does it first wrestling also does shows at a local VFW, uh, which I know sounds like your your bingo hall type place. This is like uh, this is a cool, sleek, modern VFW in like Minneapolis's trendiest neighborhood probably so when you're hearing that this is in a vfw it's probably not calibrating your expectations accordingly um but they have they have shows there and orange cassidy i believe right now is the vfw champion oh yeah 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 so uh i don't know if he's defending that belt or maybe that belt only gets defended at the vfw i'm going uh and i think i may have a ticket i should talk about that later off mic but i'm seeing a couple shows there uh, one, I think, in August and one in uh, uh, November. I've got some tickets to VFW. Anyway, we'll talk. Uh, Orange Cassidy, the Lucha Bros, that's what I'm excited about in wrestling right now. Okay. How about you, Dave? Uh, well, this weekend I am going to visit my brother in Chicago, and we are going to a Rise uh, wrestling show. Um, it is called Pride and Joy, and is a, is a, uh, a like a pride-oriented uh, wrestling show. Um, it's going to be, I you know, of all the times I've seen Joey Ryan, this is going to be the first time I've seen him wrestle. Um, oh, interesting. It is also going to be the first time I will see Shotzi Blackheart wrestle. She has a, 
um, the Sabotage Wrestling War of Genders Championship, and she has like an open challenge. Okay. Um, also, Priscilla Kelly is going to be there. Um, she's on one of the VFW shows I'm going to. If not tomorrow's show, I think she's just the VFW. Unfortunately, I think on the WrestleBlues' show is Jessica Havoc, uh, who has said some racist stuff online. Oh, she's also on the show I'm going to as well. Oh, really? Uh, she has, for what it is worth, apologized and said that that doesn't reflect her views anymore, but mm-hmm. who the fuck knows? Um, yeah, and so one one of the matches I'm really interested in, it's a it's a it's it's called Table for Six, which is a six-person tables elimination match. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Which Priscilla Kelly's in there. Um Another guy named Jake Atlas, who is becoming kind of a uh, more known name. Okay. He's like an openly uh, gay wrestler. Um, two other wrestlers I haven't heard of. And two other wrestlers are to be determined from their June 29th seminar that they're going to have. Oh, so interesting. It's going to be like they're going to add a couple of local talent in there. Yeah. Uh, which, because Rise is like the, like, the, like, the, like the little sister promotion for Shimmer. Oh, okay. Um, and so the fact that they would have like, like, like tryouts is just not very surprising. Sure. Me. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing who that's going to end up being. Um, and then there's going to be party hosts for this show, which are all elite wrestlings, Nyla Rose and Sunny Kiss. Oh, cool. Um, I was wondering, and I didn't want to say it cause I just didn't want to sound like, Oh, it's a gay thing. Is there Sunny Kiss going to be there? But I was wondering if Sunny <laughs> Kiss was going to be there. Right. Cause um, I would, it'd be like a more fun pride event. If one of wrestling's like most out yeah. uh, wrestlers was involved. Yep. And then, um, and this was kind of uh, more of a reaction to the fact that we were not able to get the um, the all-out tickets. Sure. Uh, but we did get front row seats for this. Nice. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, we're gonna meet, going to meet Joey Ryan at the Pro Wrestling Tees beforehand, um, in which he's going to have like a, a Pride like oriented T-shirt, like an exclusive shirt available that I plan on getting. Cool. I would imagine there's going to be proceeds going to some cause or something like that. So... Yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's kind of like a world, for me, it's a whirlwind. I'm not used to like, I'm going to fly in on Saturday and then leave like Monday morning. Yeah. That's not usually how I do things for a weekend, but it'll, it'll be, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm really excited. Like, like I said, I've met Joey Ryan, I've met Shotzi Blackheart, but both of them I've never seen wrestle in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I, I feel like you've won up me because you're seeing also like the Lucha Brothers in person. <laughs> Although I've I've seen them wrestle in person, but not yeah. in like a venue like um, like First Avenue. Sure, I mean, yeah. that's going to be pretty up close and personal. So. Yeah, I've I've it, I'm just weird for me. Like I've seen them at PWG, which is like more intimate yeah. <laughs> than First Ave. Right, but it is still like it's just such a fun club. It's such a cool place. There's like a forty dollar meet and greet ahead of time, so I might grab a picture with those guys. Do a oh, okay. Sierra Mirro Sierra Nevada? Sierra Nevada. Yeah. The uh, makers of some classic computer games yes. <laughs> from many years ago. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it uh, for Worldwide Edition uh, this week. We'll see you pretty soon with our next Nitro right here where the big boys play. 20 years of Nitro. Nitro.